It's vacation time. Hooray, hooray. Let's spend it outdoors. Let's get away. Hello, and welcome to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and today we have a very special guest. Hi, my name's Chris Nail. Uh, I am a search and rescue volunteer and a former longtime summer camp counselor. And uh, when did you uh, work as a summer camp counselor? Uh, I worked as a summer camp counselor from 1990 until 1997, and I've actually been going back to that same summer camp, uh, not for the entire summer, but for the last three summers for uh, a week or two. So uh, kind of getting back in touch with my summer camp roots. Oh, really? What are you doing there? Um, I'm actually doing some photographic work. Um, uh, my best friend, who uh, I met and was my tent partner at this very same camp, um, is going back as the camp medic uh, for a few weeks every summer. So I get to go back, uh, be his assistant, and I'm also doing a, a photographic project on the uh, the camp staff there. Nice, nice. And how did you get introduced to the world of camp? Uh, I got introduced to the world of camp through uh, a certain large uh, national youth organization. Uh, I don't know how, how deep we want to get into those particulars. Um, but it basically, I, well, I'll just go ahead and jump right into it. Um, I very much grew up in the Boy Scouts. Um, Never so Never heard of when I Very obscure. <laughs> they're, they're a little known organization. Yeah, yeah. No, I know that. So uh, – to sidetrack just a little bit, for those who don't know, and that's probably everybody listening, uh, I went to college with Chris, uh, and that's where we met on the same floor of the same dorm, and I would always see Chris, uh, I mean, I knew Chris, but you would always be heading off to uh, scout meetings. I was. I was, uh, during several years as an undergraduate, I was an assistant scoutmaster at a local troop. And it always, I was always just sort of blown away. I was like, wow, I didn't realize... That was something that people like did, like beyond a certain point, and and it just it, it always impressed me. And then uh, I've never told you this, but there was this. I think it was junior year. You mentioned to me the possibility of me working at a summer camp. I don't know if you remember this at all. I do remember this yes. now that you mention it. You yeah, were like, you were like, "Hey, you interested in coming and working at the summer camp?" And I was like. Mm. Yeah, that sounds great. But then, you know, one thing led to another. And by the end of the year, I was like, ah, I think I'm going to stay in Santa Fe this summer. And you're like, all right. But I consider <laughs> I consider that choice in my life like one of those pivotal moments. Like if I had in my mind, if I had decided to go to go to that camp, to work at that camp that summer, I could see my life going in a completely different direction. And I, that's the one moment I always go back to as my what if moment. I was like, what if? <laughs> really? What if I had worked at that camp and had like enjoyed it and had decided to do more outdoorsy stuff and hadn't been so like afraid of like getting my hands dirty and, you know, like using like using like outdoor skills, like learning like to do stuff with my like. I just always wonder if I would be like further along as a human being if I had decided to do that. <laughs> it's funny. I think there's a lot of us that you know have have worked at those kinds of camps who have almost wondered kind of the opposite. What if I didn't do this, or what if I hadn't done it quite as long? Uh, you know, how would that you know, things have sort of uh, shaken out for me? Well, just know that whenever I get to one of those "What am I doing with my life?" moments, I always think back to that time. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that's hilarious. I like, Did I make the right choice? I had choice? no idea. Did I make the right choice? Well, of course you didn't, because I have never told anyone that. Wow. 
<laughs> so all this talk about camp has a reason, and it is because today we are covering the Berenstain Bears Go to Camp from 1982. Now, Chris, you have read this book several times. Several times today. <laughs> and uh, so why don't you take us through just the basic idea? What's the story of the book? What happens in this book? Um, the, the basic plot of the book, and uh, I'm getting a little bit of feedback through my, through my headphones, so I don't know if that's something on my end or your end. It must be on your end. Okay. Well, I'll try to, I'll try to muscle through it, so we'll be okay. Um, so the, the basic premise of the book is school is out, and brother and sister now are running out of things to do. They're starting to get into the, oh, we're so glad we're going to have all this time to lay around and you know lift up rocks and see what's under them and, and do these things. And eventually, they're, they're starting to run out of things to do. They're starting to get a little bit bored. And that's when, I believe it's a mother bear sees an advertisement for Grizzly Bob's Day Camp. And sort of with some reservations, brother and sister agree, okay, we'll, we'll go try this summer camp thing out as, as long as we can just do it a few times and see if we like it. And they have some, some, some nerves about this. You know, how are they going to get along with the other kids? What are the activities? Brother Bear seems concerned that there's a lot of rules, but the fact that there's a lot of Band-Aids in the office seems to make them feel a little bit better. Um, Sister Bear uh, is particularly a little worried about the end-of-summer overnight uh, sleep-out uh, that uh, that Grizzly Bob has with all of the campers. Um, and they go through, they actually find it to be a really wonderful experience. And at the end of the book, they decide that, you know, actually they, they've been doing so much and they've been having so much fun that going back to school at the end of the summer is actually going to seem like a little bit of a vacation and because they, they won't be doing quite as much. Yeah. And uh, do they eventually do the overnight sleepover? They do, um, and the the overnight uh, sleep out uh, on top of a skull rock. I forget uh, on top yeah. of Spooky Mountain. I think it is. Like that, um, yeah. it ends with Grizzly Bob uh, putting on what I believe they refer to as a, an Indian costume and telling stories. Which um, you, you know, I think there's a lot we could kind of take a look at there. Oh yeah, we'll uh, get there. <laughs> but it, <laughs> but one of the things that that I really liked about the, the way that they ended it, and we could, if we can sort of tease out. Um, you know, the representation of Native Americans or, you know, in this case, you know, the indigenous culture of, of bear country, because I'm not really sure that I've ever read anything about that. Yeah. Um, but what I really did like was the inclusion of sort of this end of camp ritual mm -hmm. and the use of a campfire for that. Uh, because I think a lot of, uh, of summer camp programs, um, whether it's, uh, for instance, the one that I participated in uh, when I was a little bit older was, you know, a week long. We always ended, started and ended with a, a large group campfire. Um, and even uh, day camps for younger kids, a lot of times will end with a little bit of a campfire. And maybe it's um, gathering everyone together, singing songs, telling stories, maybe giving out awards, those sorts of things. Um, I really liked the representation of it. Again, if we can kind of tease out some of the, the representations of Native Americans, um, but I liked that they were, they were ending with sort of this journey. Uh, you know, they had gone through all of these things. They had played all these games. They'd made crafts. They'd gone through this experience. And it was really capped by this, this longer hike, which the, the, the young children had, had done at the beginning of the story. And it was really hard. And by the end of the story, they were able to do this, but with backpacks and sleeping bags and all of their camping gear and food. And it seemed a lot easier to them. So it was, for me, it was really representative 
confrontational of sort of the, this capstone moment of acknowledging this journey and this transformation that the kids had gone through during their time at camp. So does this book strike you as having been created by people who have real life experience with camp? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. While it might not be really extensive, um, there's a lot of aspects of the book that, for me, really do ring true for uh, a summer camp experience. Um, now, granted, mine was you know very set in sort of the Boy Scout methodology at the time. Um, so I think this might have been not necessarily, say, a Boy Scout camp, um, but another kind of summer camp experience. But there's a lot of things there that I think are very typical for a, a, for how a summer camp would operate. Um, you know, even things like uh, Brother Bear needing to pass his, you know, his swimming tests in order to use the canoe. That's, that's real world. That's how it works. And it's a pretty big camp, especially for a day camp. Like this isn't a sleepaway camp. Uh, it's it's got you know different uh, different buildings. It's got facilities for uh, for like first aid. It's got a rec hall. It has a it's right by a lake. Uh, it looks like it's pretty well set up for the full camp experience, even though it's not a a, a sleepaway camp. Yeah, I would say so. Just even the fact that they they mentioned that the rec hall was there for rainy days, yeah. um, you know, that's that's the the reality of a camp that's set out where you know a lot of the activities are in the wilderness. What do you do when there's a big rainstorm? Well, you have to have a space where you can bring everybody inside, um, and whether that's also where everybody eats. Although you know they were typically it seems grilling hot dogs right. over an open fire uh, for lunch. Um, you know, you have to have that kind of space. So that's that's very much real world. That that would happen at a lot of places like this. Now, one of the first things the Cubs encounter when they arrive at camp, and for, I want to do, I want to take a step back. Um, when I read this book for the first time uh, a while ago, like I hadn't read it in years, and then I picked it up, and I was pleasantly surprised that the camp wasn't some made up Native American word, as you typically see in fictionalized summer camps. It's usually like camp you know run a monka or something like you usually get a, a fake native american sounding-esque word and this one it's just it's grizzly bob's day camp uh <laughs> presumably run only by grizzly bob he seems to be the only person working at this camp that was one aspect of the book that I actually found to be very inaccurate yeah. um, or potentially very dangerous. <laughs> right. um, it, at least coming from from my perspective, um, you know, growing up in the Boy Scouts, which has for a very long time had a very strict policy of too deep leadership, meaning that you never have a situation where you have one or more youths uh, or cubs alone with a single adult. You always have to have at least two people there, um, and that's but for the protection of the young people, but also for the protection of the adults, too. Yeah. Um, you know, so the fact that Grizzly Bob, as far as I could tell, was the only adult present at the camp at any point in time, except for field day when all of the, the parents came in, that struck me as as being sort of off the mark. Um, on the other hand, you also have to take into account the time in which the book was written. You know, in the early 80s, maybe that wasn't as uh, as big of a concern. Um, but at least uh, compared to, say, you know, even a camp in the 90s or, or, or present day, um, you would have a lot stronger adult presence at, at any camp like that. And the first thing that Cubs encounter when they arrive at camp is a big board of rules. And you don't get to see any of the rules, but uh, yeah. I do appreciate that that is the... 
that 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 it is given prominence it's given pride of place like here's the big list of rules everyone and you have to follow them yeah i liked that the the rules were there um i really kind of wish i could have seen the rules yeah yeah that was a i i kept hoping that they were going to expound on that just a little bit um but we we never got to see what those were i was i was curious to see what grizzly bob's rules were yeah because it looks like there's about uh, at least 20 of them it's a it's a as brother bear says there's a lot <laughs> yep there certainly are a lot of rules um there's canoeing there's swimming uh they like you said they they roast their food over a fire and they play dodgeball i guess which is uh <laughs> which i find very very amusing like it's just one of the activities um there's arts and crafts there's wheelbarrow races the kids are i appreciate that the kids are shown getting hurt because they don't that's something that happens. Like it's going to happen at camp. You're going to skin your knee. You're going to get hit. Yeah. And I, I like the fact that I, I, I agree. I like that they included that. I like that they included that uh, the camp was actually prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it was Sister Bear even, you know, remarked on the fact that, you know, there were enough bandages there. Um, and that is, you know, that's reality, you know, especially when you've got kids running and playing, things like that. They're going to fall down. They're going to get hurt. Um you know, and any good camp should be able to deal with sort of the, you know, the minor cuts and scrapes, things like that, um, that go on during an average camp day. Yeah. Now, it shows the kids swimming, playing soccer, canoeing, making pottery, catching fish, uh, going bird watching, playing dodgeball again. And I wonder if they're supposed, that's way too many activities for one person to supervise. Like, there has to be, I'm going to assume that there may be a few employees like scattered about that they simply don't show. Cause I can't imagine how Grizzly Bob could have shown sister how to make, how to throw a pot while at the same time uh, showing the other cubs how to look for birds and taking the cubs out on a canoe. <laughs> it would require Grizzly Bob to have a pretty broad skill set. So right. um, I agree with you. I, although I, I think it would be interesting to, to meet some of the other uh, Grizzly Bob camp counselors. Yeah. Um, I, I think that they, I think they're implied fairly well that, yeah. you know, there has to be some other people there. Right. Right. But the whole thing is obviously under his supervision. Um, right. And then they go up skull rock and it, it is definitely a rock that looks like a skull. It's, uh, <laughs> hilarious that they chose something so that spook hill, something so deliberately frightening to take uh, a bunch of little children up. Um, but I do want to touch on, and I mentioned this, I do want to touch on the fact that they then delve right into like basically the bear country version of native American mythology, which has a in the in the American summer camp tradition is is very much part of the American summer camp tradition uh you know for better or for worse it was always kind of in the bloodstream of of American summer camps this sort of like idea of oh we're doing what the Native Americans did um or Indian as they say in the book um but Grizzly Bob actually puts on a full ceremonial garb uh when they get to the top of Skull Mm -hmm. Mountain and it makes me wonder if he is supposed to perhaps be legitimately Native American or the or the bear country equivalent thereof, like because he doesn't yeah. seem to, he's not just throwing on a headband and a feather like he's in full regalia. 
Well, the, depending on uh, on the exact summer camp. So again, you know, coming out of the tradition that I come out of, um, this is one of those things that I experienced quite a lot growing up. Um, you know, the organization that I was with, uh, you know, the Boy Scouts, they do have a, a lot of ceremony that they... I'm not even quite sure what the right, you know, the correct way to put this is, but you know, have tried to some degree model, borrow from, um, interpret, uh, you know, their version of you know what a Native American ceremony might look like. Um, now, growing up for me, this was really kind of a powerful thing. Um, having lived in Santa Fe as long as I have, and you know, had more experiences. Um, so, for, for instance, me going back to my summer camp and seeing these things again after. A long time away and having grown a little, um, my first thought was I looked at this and went, this it could very easily be extremely offensive. Um, and, you know, it might be time to kind of review some of these things. Um, so in terms of, you know, things like uh, Grizzly Bob going into, you know, a, a very elaborate sort of costume, I've seen that. Um, you? you know, it's it's the sort of thing that, that's actually, it does happen. Again, depending on the camp. Um, so for instance, in the Boy Scouts, there are actually, uh, there are groups within the Boy Scouts who try to learn Native American dance. They work very hard on trying to create, um, you know, as authentic a replica of traditional Native American garb as they can. Um, very few of the, the scouts participating in this, um, you know, have what would be considered, you know, really strong Native American lineage. Right. Um, so, you know, that's something that, I, you know, I think we could kind of tease apart really well. But I, in terms of that depiction, I actually, I've seen that. That's actually pretty accurate. Wow. Um, so the question, of course, in, in this context is what is sort of the, the indigenous population of bear country? Bear country and that's, exactly. that, that's where we don't, we don't know. Right, right. It's hard to – I mean it's easy to look at it from one perspective and say, okay, this is you – know, this, when this was written in 1982, the, the, uh, we didn't have these kind of conversations about right. is this appropriate is this inappropriate that just wasn't part of the part of the dialogue when creating a children's book i think if they created the book now they might explicitly make grizzly bob uh an actual member of a tribe if they were going to do this uh mm -hmm. perhaps a fictionalized bear country tribe but they would either cut it all together or make it uh, a little more explicit however he does go into uh, a bunch of uh old legends uh, the story of great grizzly as big as mountain, the soaring eagle who filled the sky, and the mighty salmon whose colors made the rainbow, um, which I'm also going to assume is a very traditional part of the summer camps, uh, telling these older stories, uh, trying to giving the kids a sense of, of, of history, of the area, of, you know, sort of commune with the outdoors in that way. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, for instance, the summer camp that I grew up at, um, you know, there's a... There's almost sort of an internal advancement program, and part of it is to encourage um, scouts to return to the camp year after year. Um, so, I mean, that's a part of it, but it's also to give them a sense of accomplishment as they continue to come back, and they they also do more for the camp. Uh, part of the program is, you know, after you've been there for a while, you're actually helping younger campers sort of along um, this this pathway. Um, again, it, it sort of goes back to the idea of the campfire, um, you know, sort of this ritual recognizing of an accomplishment. 
Um, but frequently, at least in my experience, it also involves giving back to the camp, helping those who um, are less experienced or younger than you are. Um, and so it's a, you know, we, it, it's a lot of that I actually, I found to be very, very accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the fact that it, that it builds to this, to this climax, that it builds to this climax and that it's something that for Sister Bear was a little intimidating going in. Because I think that that trepidation and that, and that fear is part of a first time child's experience. Like whenever they do anything new, there's this hesitation, this sense of, I don't know what's coming. I don't know what this means. What does it mean to have an overnight sleep out on a, on a, on a, on a hill? Um, and that Grizzly Bob makes it an experience for the kids. He makes it something <laughs> worth conquering your fears to, to participate in. Absolutely. I've, uh, the, the number of campouts, not necessarily uh, summer camp campouts, um, but the number of campouts that I've been on where there's something about that first night out, especially for, for young people. And I, I love the way that they, they sort of showed this um, through the perspective of Sister Bear, um, something she knew that was going to happen. And it kept, you know, she never really forgot about it. It was sort of this sense of this thing that she wasn't sure that she could do. She was afraid of it. And over the course of that, of the summer, really building up uh, and, and maturing and growing to the point where she could really do this. Um, but starting that off with a fire, and there's something, you know, uh, assuming that bears kind of uh, take to these things the same way that people do, there's something sort of primal that we connect with uh, when it comes to that. Um, gathering around the campfire, that sense of closeness, of community, um, fire being this wonderful sense of safety. Um, you know, some wilderness survival courses that I've taken, they refer to fire as the best way to get rid of boo. And boo is everything that's outside in the dark that we can be afraid of. Um, and so again, it, there there are certain beats in the story that I, that ring so true for me. And you know, Grizzly Bob having the fire on top of the mountain, and, and I agree with you, taking kids up Skull Mountain who might be a little bit afraid. I think they need to rename that mountain just to <laughs> you know for at least for the hike. I mean, come on. Um, but having that that fire, sharing a meal, and developing that kind of sense of community, I think is is very accurate. It's something that um, I think builds a sense of safety, especially in kids. There's something magical about a campfire. Um, and again, assuming that bear, you know, the the bears in bear country um, have some similar ways of dealing with fire as we do. Um, you know, there's a great sense of comfort that can come from that. Yeah, and obviously the kids find that comfort. And uh, grow to appreciate it. And then the mm -hmm. next day, there's a, there's a, bris, a brief mention of field day. The parents come. The kids win some awards. Uh, and they say goodbye. Um, so my question for you now, uh, taking the book as a whole, uh, what do you think about the book as an introduction to the idea of camp for little kids? I think it's actually a really good introduction to the idea of camp for, for young children. Um, while of course it's not going to be you know perfectly accurate for any individual camp, it really does give a sense of what a child may experience at a camp such as this. Now, you know, uh, brother and sister are going to camp and they're coming back in the evening, so it's not a, a sleepaway camp the entire time. But I think it gives a really good sense for uh, you know thinking back to even my younger days when I would go to things like Cub Scout Day Camp. I think it's really a good introduction. It's 
accurate as accurate as it needs to be. Um, I, I like the fact that there are some vagaries in the story so that it's not particularly set to an exact way that camp works. So, for instance, um, although I want to see what Grizzly Bob's rules are, in some ways I'm glad that we don't yeah. um, because it, it implies the idea that there are rules at camp. We do have to, to do certain things. Um, but you know we're we're not going to get into those specific details it's also about having fun um being safe being together learning new skills um and and growing a little bit and i think that uh, that brother and sister do all of those things and the narrative of the, sto- of the story really takes us through that in a way that um i you know i find to be very genuine from my on my side i usually like to, i like to talk about the uh the book itself as a piece of art and i would say that i love the illustrations in this book uh i like the way that the stan and jan draw the camp but i also like the way they lay out the uh the pages they there's a lot of similar images as it goes along so you see similar layouts to show you how camp progresses there's a very nice uh honeycomb image that sort of takes you across the camp and shows you uh, all the activities they're doing there's a a nice spread when Sister Bear's having a bad day on one page and Brother Bear's having a bad day on the next page, down in the corner you see them arriving home uh, in miniature and the their attitudes about arriving home from camp are shown almost purely in their posture because the picture is so small. And I think Stan and Jan captured that really well. And also uh, the drawing of Skull Rock and the images behind Grizzly Bob when he's telling the stories that illustrate the eagle in the sky and the the uh, the, the great grizzly as big as a mountain and the salmon, they uh, it uses a style of artwork that Stan and Jan don't use very much in the books. Uh, that's very representational, very sort of mystical, very almost ghost like. And I and it's something that we see less and less of as the series goes on. So we're still in a period that I really like as far as the way the artwork is presented. Uh, I know that my younger child. My four-year-old really loves this book. She really loves to hear about them going to camp. I think it's getting her excited to do things like this when she gets older. She's a very outdoorsy kid. She really likes, uh, she's very rough and tumble. She likes to get her hands on things. And so she always wants me to read the Berenstain Bears Go to Camp because she wants to hear about what they're doing at camp. So uh, from my side, I also think it's a cool introduction uh, to camp coming from someone who never went to camp. So <laughs> I'm glad you bring up the, the artistry because as, as, as I was reading through this, and I haven't read one of these books in, in many, many years, um, and one of the things that struck me, and it was the, this memory that just sort of popped back in, how I always loved the way that the, the hands and feet, how the paws of all of the bears were drawn, especially when they're pointing – because um, for me, it was it was sort of this interesting break with really anthropomorphizing the bears. So the bears still have claws, mm-hmm. and in some cases, they look pretty long and sharp. Yeah. Um, but of course, they're not scary. Uh, you know, they they you know they they feel just like you know people running around, and they happen to be bears. But there's there's always this nod to the fact that yeah, these are bears. And I know they're I, not I, just I, really I furry people. I mentioned this like probably like 25 episodes ago now, but uh, when the Berenstains first started out, one of the big notes that Dr. Seuss gave them as he was teaching them how to write books was get rid of the claws. They look too sharp. They look scary. They look like animal claws. And the Berenstains were like, no, these are bears. Like they're still going to have claws. They still have teeth and hairy feet. Like they're, 
they're still bears. They're hairy. And he was just, he wanted nothing to do with it, but they st- <laughs> took to their guns and the bears continue to have their claws to this day. I have never heard that. That's oh, yes. really remarkable. Yep. Well, I, love <laughs> well, I disagree with Dr. Seuss on this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. I, I'm more than happy to. This has been a real pleasure, Phil. Thanks for, for uh, letting me talk about this book with you and, uh, and for catching up a little bit. It's yeah, good to it's talk to you great. again. I know. Uh, for those of you listening at home, you can rate and review us on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, we are at uh, berenstainbearcast.wordpress.com. You can email us at berenstainbearcast at gmail.com. Uh, get in contact. Uh, I'd love to hear from our listeners and see what they think about the show. Uh, it's always great to know what I'm doing wrong on this show. Uh, not that anyone's really complained yet, but I'm sure someone out there is thinking some criticisms about me. All right. So uh, I will see you next week deep in bear country. <laughs> <laughs>